Well, this was a bit surreal. I'm interviewing pop star Tiffany. And who didn't know and love those songs? She had some hits and two number one songs. Actually knocked Michael Jackson off the charts with her cover of I Think We're Alone Now. And no, she doesn't get sick of that song. I've heard her say that in numerous interviews. And her history as a pop star will always be there, of course. But she's back with a new album, Shadows. And I think people really like it. I really like the songs. She sounds kind of like a Ann Wilson meets Kelly Clarkson now. She's obviously grown up, and her songs reflect that. And the new album is about her journey in life, and she really opens herself up on the album and in this interview. Check it out. So you have a new album out. Uh, but tell me first about uh, your current band, because I thought I heard you say that you had a couple members of L.A. Guns in your current band. I do. Yeah, Scott Coogan and Johnny Martin from L.A. Guns. They're they're out and about with me. We've taken a little break right now because the Shadows tour actually starts in the beginning of the year. So we were oh. out doing some Shadows dates. Thought I was going to put the record out. Then, you know, the COVID stuff started happening again. So I pulled the record back again. It comes out November 25th um, of this year. And then we're going to plug around, uh, you know, end of January, February and start doing all the fun, going out and promoting the record. Meanwhile, I am doing videos and podcasting and getting the word out and sharpening up all the other stuff and, you know, basically working with the fans throughout the holidays and all that. Anything we can do to celebrate the music and get to know me and get to know the mindset of why I wrote these songs and what was going on in my life. So telling a little bit of the backstory and then we're going to go and rock it. I'm excited. Yeah. So t tell me about the backstory. Cause I think in the PR thing, it says, uh, what did it say? There was uh, something about a, a heartbreak, uh, the, the heartbreak that nobody knows about. So what is that? Tell me about that. What's the heartbreak that no one knows about? Which, which one? No. <laughs> Um, I don't know. That's what the PR thing said about the album. Or was that just about yeah. the song Shadows? Because there's a song Shadows and then the album Shadows. Yes. So the album in its entirety is really um, about the shadows, the light and the dark, you know, of our lives, the emotions of our lives. So it's a two-sided album, especially the vinyl. Um, and it has all my dramatic ballads on there, heartfelt songs, which is where you're going to find the heartache. Um, and a lot of those were derived from my personal experiences, getting in a divorce, being with a new relationship who's also getting a divorce, uh, the complexity there, uh, who's also my business partner, my producer, my everything, if you will. And, you know, that's a new wild ride for me to be that in depth with somebody. It's working out great. But, you know, that's the other side of where we've achieved. Getting to there was like a wild ride. You know, it was a lot of makeups, breakups, what's happening, you know, it's never easy to leave a, an old situation, you know, breakups, even though you know, that's what's happening, still linger, the pain, uh, all of that. And then to get into a relationship where we're both going through it uh, was, a, was, was hard, you know, there's songs like Bed of Nails that came out of that. And that was really mostly about, you know, you, I don't have it so easy. You know, today's been a hard day, you know, it's been a lot of phone calls and yelling and screaming and emotional and baggage and all. And, and you, you know, I want you to feel that with me. I want you to, you know, comfort me. I want, I want, you know, 
And uh, I think that's what Bed of Nails came out of, you know, which is a really dramatic ballad. Um, it's it's kind of operatic, if you will. It reminds me of like um, a meatloaf kind of song. It just grows and grows. And we've got these beautiful violins on it. But the vocal, I think I'm singing better than I've ever have in years. And that particular song, I was really excited about doing the, the vocal. It was done at Rockfield in Wales. And um, with that, it was like, I. it was dinner time. I had made this beautiful pot roast for the band. I always cook for the band. And uh, I have Let's Food with Tiffany. I'm a chef and I also am a foodie and I've cooked on a cooking club. I've got a cookbook's coming out. So that's behind the scenes. But also um, that's my jam. The band goes, they're next door creating. And I'm in here writing lyrics, listening to, you know, what they're creating, going in and out of the studio. And I'm creating beautiful food. So at the end of the night, we're going to all get together. We're going to have a great dinner. But prior to that, I have to go in and do my vocal and show my lyrics, show my stuff. Uh, and so Bed of Nails was one of those situations where the track is so amazing. When you hear this, you know, again, the complexity, all the instrumentation on it. I mean, the production, like they really pulled it out. My producer, Mark, just did a great job on this song. And I, everyone was hungry. So, you know, <laughs> I went into like, go and do my vocal and from the moment they turned, you know, my my headphones on and getting me into the booth and from the moment of go, I sang the song and I don't know what happened, but I just switched into this space. And I had never sang the song before. This is a scratch vocal. So I'm just learning all the, you know, variables, if you will, and how to put all your twirls and your, where everything fits, if you will. But there was something so magical about it. I, and I think it was the experience, the message, the the story, if you will, the backstory that I felt so, um, it was my life, if you will, that mm. when I sang this vocal, it's one pass through. And I mean, I just kept going to these places vocally and giving it hell, if you will. And I remember looking at everybody when I was finished and they were all like, oh, okay. Well, that was a pretty badass scratch vocal. I don't know if we can even recreate that tomorrow. And we did. We tried to go back into the studio the next morning, top of the morning, and um, it wasn't there. It was one of those things that it was just that moment. And I was so nervous to sing these ly lyrics to to Mark, to the band, to you know, because they're pretty, they're pretty gritty, they're pretty raw, you know, yeah. they're pretty, they're pretty vulnerable, if you will. And then knowing that I have this massive, you know, track that was really going to require me to take it to the next level vocally, um, that that nervousness, you know, that adrenaline just kicked in. It was such a magical creating moment. And I think that's what musicians are really in it for. You know, sometimes we rise to those occasions. I know I do, which is not a good practice. But sometimes when it's a real shit show, you know, you don't make sound check, you've got stuck in traffic or something happens or, you know, you don't have the equipment you needed. Uh, a lot of those bad negative things end up becoming positive because they push you a little bit and you rise to those occasions. And sometimes those are the best shows. You're like, well, that was a great show. I mean, there was nothing that set it up to be a great show, but we did it. 
So, um, you know, to have one of those studio moments was really cool. And I think you'll hear it on the album. The rest of the album, the light, if you will, uh, it's kind of like pop punk, you know, fun, really, with modern production. I mean, we've got the layered guitars, the rock edge to it. But um, it definitely stems from the fun of 80s inspiration, if you will. If you like the Go-Go's, Ramones, Blondie, uh, this is kind of the tone of some of the up-tempo songs. Uh, with a Tiffany flair, of course. But, you know, um, those are people that were, you know, inspirations to me. That's the music I do listen to. Those are the people that, you know, I mean, that I that I do know now as an adult that I still go, hey, girls, you know, it's great to know Belinda Carlisle and see her at different shows and to work with her because I've always been a fan, um, you know. But with Tiffany from 15, where I was sat in the corner and didn't really have much in common with anybody, to being an adult now, talking shop as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, as the new climate of releasing records, still touring, still doing our thing, um, to you know holistic healing. She's very much into Zen and Buddhism and stuff. So we 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 talk shop. It's great. It's like I feel this is cool. You know, I'm still giving it hell. Here I am, thirty years on, and uh, and living my best life now. Yeah, I love the new record. I'm I was surprised how much I liked it. I was like, oh, I really like these Thank songs, you. especially the more rocking ones, like the first one, "Hey Baby," and uh, "I Like the Rain." So tell me about "I Like the Rain" because that's a single. Um, I grew up in Seattle. I got sick of the rain, so I know there's like a metaphor <laughs> thing there. Do you actually literally like the rain too, though, or is it just more of a metaphor? I do like the rain. I do some of my best work when it's cloudy, moody, uh, especially like right now, the end of the year. I'm an October baby. I really, there's something about it is when I'm really the most creative. Um, and that's solemn, maybe because I'm an LA girl, there was always sunshine. Uh, and I'm so fair skinned, I could never be in it, that I went the other way. But I think I'm an old soul, to be honest with you. But yes, I a, a cloudy day, I'm very reflective. There's something that happens to me in creative mode that is... You know, I'm creative anytime, but I do notice it in the winter months more. But I like the rain. The single actually is really about owning your own chaos. I, I think I went through a patch of my life where I was not, you know, doing, uh, making the best choices, if you will. Um, maybe finding myself a little bit, getting a little lost, um, wanting instant gratification on some things and then going, oh, that was really ugly. Um, you know, finding yourself again after divorces, finding yourself, you know, in new climates. COVID didn't help. I think it took everybody in a different direction. You know, again, chaos and and sadness and aloneness. Um, and I wrote I Like the Rain prior to that, but it really honed in after COVID. It, a lot of my friends went into darker patches or developed, you know, small addiction problems of any kind, overeating being lazy, you know, whatever it was to kind of get them through over shopping. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of like, you're not helping yourself, but you're doing what you need to do to get by. And that runs its course. And sometimes that leads to more mess, if you will. And people are always, you know, telling you, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm not doing that right now. I'm doing me and I'm owning what this is. I'm loud and proud about my dysfunction, if you will, <laughs> but you don't stay there. And, and that's kind of what I wrote it about. I wrote it about bad decisions. I wrote it about people talking shit. 
you know, not understanding. And, and, and yeah, I'm not maybe at my best right now, but I'm still here. I don't know of anybody who knows exactly what they're doing. You know, I've done, I've done well for a long time. Now my life is changing and I, I give me a little minute to make failures, you know, and unfortunately as a celebrity, sometimes you're doing that again, loud and proud out there in front of everybody. But you know, some of those failures aren't always a bad thing if you rein it in. You know, sometimes you have to go through the muck to really say, okay, I've had that, you know, that's what, you know, that's the end of me or that's the depth of me, if you will. You know, I don't want to be that, but I had to do that. I had to know where my boundaries were. I had to know where my stumbling blocks are. And through that, if I can put that in my creation of music, and write about those failures, write about how it felt to fail, write about, you know, a love gone bad, write about this. That's my therapy. And that's kind of what I'm doing as a musician. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like your story is there's so much tenacity. Uh, that's what I think of when I look at your history and just where, from such a young age, like, you know, I, I was watching the behind the music and you talk about how you, when, the, when you first started doing those mall tours, there was like three people that showed up how did you, at an age of 15, how did you not go like cry and run off stage and never do it again? How did you just keep going and know, cause you know, <laughs> you're looking forward, you know, as an adult, you can do that and look forward and go, okay, I can get through this. But at 15, how did that not uh, like, you know, make you so sad to, to only see three people uh, cheering for you? I did run off of stage a couple of times and cry more, more because people would yell at me. A lot of the store owners were not enlightened that someone was going to set up and start, you know, pumping music out in front of their store and in front of jewelry stores or, you know, elite clothing boutiques, it doesn't work. You're like hindering their business. So I had a lot of people in my face yelling at me and I would run off and cry and be like, uh, but I would come right back. I think you're resilient. And yeah. I think, the one thing I can say about myself as a person is I am resilient. You know, I keep taking a lot of hits um, or, you know, with anything, life, music, all of it. And there's just something in me. I probably, I really do think it's my dad, you know, my stepfather who I didn't get along with for many, many years, but he had that don't keep, don't give up spirit. He was in the army. He was a you know tunnel runner you know, his dad died when he was very young. He was the older brother of like six siblings. Uh, I mean, he basically went and found the church and the pastor at that time who, you know, didn't have a wife or kids and said, my mom can't afford me. Do you think that somebody here could adopt me? Because I need a new family because I'm a drain to mine. And, you know, he was only 12, I think, at the time. Wow. And they did adopt him, you know. And then, uh, you know, he was like, well, you're in the church. Aren't you supposed to help people in need? My mom can't, can't support me. I'm trying to get cans off the side of the road for her to be able to, she's a single mom. My dad died. So we've got mouths to feed. So, you know, there was, I never had an excuse with my father at all. And I think that was in the early days was hard on me. Like I didn't get it, but all those years later, it's funny because I tap into his spirit. I tap into Oh, well, you know, and you have your days where you're just like, I can't handle it, whatever. Just, I'm just going to go to bed or I'm just going to watch endless amounts of YouTube or Netflix or whatever. And I'm just going to solemn go into my hole. And then there's something about me that just pops out the next day and goes, nope, absolutely not. This is what we're doing. 
this, you know, and everybody's like, are you crazy? Like you're going even further with the obstacles. Well, then that's the way it has to be. And, uh, and I really do think that's my dad's spirit. I really do, you know, which is he's, he's up in heaven now and I'm sure he's still pushing me, but yeah. um, I think you have to have that tenaciousness. Definitely. I, it's just ingrained in me. Yeah. Cause I think you started singing at like two or something, but so wasn't it your, your father that I, I didn't, this was not in the behind the music, but I, I thought I re- uh, heard this, heard you talking about this in an interview where the first time you sang was at a fair and he gave the band fifty dollars to let you come sing on stage. I thought that was so cool. He did um, I wouldn't shut up really behind the scenes? <laughs> I drove my family nuts. I was constantly singing, and uh, all day long. And and you know, even in my younger days, when I was like six, seven, I was you know had the whole costumes on. My grandma would let me raid her her closet as long as I put everything away. But I was always you know getting better throughout the day. Like in the morning, I'd go to, you know, get up and have like a little song in my head. And then I would be singing it through breakfast then go to school. Then when I came back from school after homework, that was my time to like work on myself, you know? And I'd go into like the the music room. My grandmother had a music room, although no one was a musician in my family. It's just where they collected records. And uh, I was allowed to play with the records, mostly Fats Domino and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and Patsy Cline at that time. But I would just go into that room and listen and listen and listen and listen and make up my own songs as well, play with my grandma's clothes. And so from probably about three to probably about 730, you had the evolution of Tiffany getting better and better and better and better. But of course, that's annoying to everybody because she keeps coming back. with more costumes and more, and she's louder. And like, it's like, please shut up. Um, And I really did torture my family. And, you know, when my mom met my stepfather, he saw this in me and I was always singing and I was always performing and I was always, you know, uh, listening to music and and just ingrained in it. And he said, is this what you really want to do? Because you're not shy. And I was like, I'd love to really be a singer. That was that. Yeah. And, he kind of, you know, there were some friends of his that were lightly in the music industry and they heard me sing and they were like, holy shit, her voice, she sounds like she's 30, she's nine. Like, I don't know what to do with that, but she's a good singer. Like your daughter really can sing. And they encouraged my dad to get a demo together, all those different things. And I started working with country bands at the time, going to clubs and nightclubs and, you know, BMW clubs and all of that. Um, and the first time that my dad tried it was at the fair, the El Cajon fair. He had given the band $50 and said, look, my daughter wants to sing, but I really want to know in a big crowd unprepared if she'll get up and do this, or if this is more around Mm -hmm. family, friends, you know, with some guidance and preparation. And I was out there watching the band and they said, we have a young girl out there new singer. Her name's Tiffany Renee, which is my real name, Tiffany Renee Darwish. That's what I was born with. Uh, And we'd like to welcome her up to the stage. And I didn't miss a beat. I was like, yeah! (laughs) I got up there and they're like, well, what song do you know? And I'm like, well, I mean, I didn't have a set list. I didn't know anything about keys of songs because I didn't play an instrument. I was like, at Delta Dawn, and they're like, what key? I'm like, the key of the record? I don't know. So they just, <laughs> they just played a key, and I was like, that's good enough, you know? And I don't think they even knew the actual, like, you know, 
verse chorus. It wasn't even really in the right design, but I made it happen. I worked off the bat. I started instantly looking at people. I didn't have any monitor, nothing, but it didn't stop me. I was like, this is great. And my dad was like, okay, all right. She rose to that occasion. And he just kept putting me in that kind of climate. Um, and, you know, back then it was word of mouth and hanging out. Hoyt Axton actually was one of the first celebrities or entertainers or successful person that took us serious and, you know, pointed us into the direction of go to Nashville and start doing more demos at that time. Like I said, I want to do country music. And I came to Nashville many times between nine and 12, uh, recorded many demos, worked with a lot of different managers, opened up for a lot of people like George Jones, Mickey Lee, um, Mickey, uh, what was it? Mickey, uh, what's his name? I can't even remember his name anymore. That's terrible. But Johnny Lee, um, gosh, on and on. I worked with Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis for, you know, and I, again, was raised listening to their records. So that was awesome. And getting that experience. Um, and my dad was like, okay, this is what she's definitely born to do. And, um, you know, it got hard on my family, though, because my dad went his own business. And it, you know, as you know, with any career, it's a full-time thing. And, you know, that kind of caused a lot of problems in my mom and dad's relationship. Because now my dad is taking all his weekends, helping me, mm -hmm. going out. My mom is pregnant, staying at home. I mean, it's not a great thing for their relationship. So I learned, you know, you're all in and the people around you are all in and you know the highs and lows even then as a young entertainer before i was successful what it means to be truly committed yeah well and then you work with this manager uh george tobin i don't know what to think of this guy this guy had tenacity <laughs> but he didn't really have tact right i mean like the first time you wrote yeah. lyrics he <laughs> insulted your lyrics and so was it hard to bounce back from that like his because the first time you wrote them, then he insults them, then it makes you not want to do that again. So how long did you wait until you tried again to write lyrics? Uh, not long. I mean, oh. I am, I'm, I'm very much that person. I do keep taking hits. They hurt. And, and somehow I get pissed off and come back better. I don't know. That's my aim. That's what I hope to, um, you know, that's just my MO, if you will. I think George, you know, yeah, he just shit all over my first time showing him lyrics. He was like, oh, that sounds like this. And that sounds like that. Well, it does because I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional, really, lyricist. I don't know shit about writing songs, but I have an idea. And of course, it sounds like Tina Marie or Stevie Nicks or somebody because that's who I'm inspired by. But, you know, can, can you work with any of that? And instead, I just I kind of got shot down in flames. And I remember thinking, okay, he's just not the right person to show that to, which is an obstacle when that is your producer and your vehicle for getting music out. But what that did for me is I started working with band members. I started working with people who were more pliable, songwriters who came to the studio to, you know, to write for the album for me. But when you have a lot of off time, I would tell them about my ideas. And I found a whole set of people that were comforting to me that said oh keep on going you know here with this you always want to like rhyme a little bit you want to do this you want to do that there's a structure isn't that that's a great word but you know what are other words whatever it was and that's kind of how I became a songwriter and even that was on the down low for many many years 
until again, I started working with my band mates and putting my own money into my music, doing my own demos as a songwriter, pitching my own stuff as a songwriter, uh, getting a you know songwriting publishing deal. Like I didn't know anything about that, but it just started to happen because I learned through not actually even big structured corporate MCA managers, those vehicles. I learned from musicians trying to make it who are themselves were tenacious and just firing off of everything they had. I, I'm better actually in that environment for some reason that really inspires me. Yeah. Well, and you just kept getting better. I think in the, behind the music, they talked about that one album you did in 2000 that was got rave reviews from billboard. They uh, compared yeah. it to Alanis Morissette's album, which is really good. And it is really good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that was, a turn of a page for me, um, you know, when I did Color of Silence, because it really was me as a songwriter showing, you know, that I can write songs and that I'm a lifer and that I am a real musician um, and that I'm capable of doing things outside of just the pop realm, um, that I'm not manufactured. I am a real singer. I've got the chops and, mm -hmm. you know, and who I am. So Color of Silence really gave me a break. I love behind the music because I think behind the music, the, pro the program, you know, that was VH1, mm -hmm. uh, really validated me as a person because I would watch those programs and I'd go, oh, you're supposed to be like this. You know, you're supposed to have the rise and the fall, then the comeback, then the rise, the fall, the comeback, the rise, the fall. <laughs> I mean, this is a lifelong thing. And it really spoke to me. I think it was one with Peter Frampton on there, who I, of course, love. Um, I've always loved him. It was my cousin's, my cousin's favorite artist. So he's been in my life and an influence in me as a little kid. And, you know, since then I've met him and he's lovely, but on this particular episode, he was saying, you know, here I am selling out venues and doing things. And he was quite young. And then all of a sudden they're done with you, hmm. but you haven't done anything wrong. You haven't lost your talent. You know, you haven't blown chunks and not show up to your shows. Your voice hasn't changed. You know, you don't instantly forget how to write songs or be creative or it was just he was, you know, kind of thrown away for a minute because it was like, well, you've had your time. But that's the industry. They make you then they get tired of making you and then they got to dissect you and bring you back down. It's the praise and the rejection. That's the way it is. But for an artist, especially for somebody who's young, you feel like you've committed a crime. You're like, what did I do wrong? And while I saw him say that, I went, oh, that's how I feel. Like, what did I do wrong? Why am I apologizing for being 15, getting signed, being a little girl from Norwalk, having the odds of making it, getting signed, having a number one record, number one singles, selling millions of albums, touring the world? What is sad about that? Why do, why now is everybody making me feel like shit? Like I'm not accomplishing to the next level or that's it. You were a teen star. So we're done with you now. I don't believe in that philosophy. So it was really that validation. I went, oh, a professional guy, like a real, you know, dude, if you will, he felt that way. Like that so validated my feelings. This is the way it's supposed to be. But look what he did. He kept going. Yeah. He got better. He found his tribe, he found his people, and he's enjoying what he's doing. Ah, that's the key to success. 
So you, it just really spoke to me. Yeah. Do you now? Do you look at like uh, like Britney Spears? What do you think of her? Because you're a fellow pop star. Do you worry about her? Like, what do you have any advice for her? What's your take on on what's going on with her? Well, I don't really know what's going on with Brittany. Um, I, you know, I think she's adorable. I've met her a couple of times. She's always been wonderful and nice. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, she's got a career and a platform and people are rooting for her. You know, I just mostly want her to be happy. You know, that's if she's happy, then, you know, everybody talks a lot about her mental health and stuff. And, you know, I hope mostly that she does have somebody around her that is supporting her and it, if there is a problem, getting the need and the help that she wants, there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, about that stuff. Um, you know, I know that, you know, it's weird because we're in the same circle of fans and friends and stuff. And she comes up quite a bit about, did you see what she's done? You know, I, I mean, she's living her life and you really don't have much to say about stuff that you don't know behind the scenes. As long as she's safe. And and seems to be happy. And I, I really don't think right now she's at a risk factor. I think, you know, we're seeing her. She's engaging with us. She's showing us what she wants to show. And, you know, that's what she's wanting to do. So, you know, I, I mean, for me, I, I follow her on Instagram. She makes me dizzy with the twirling, though. <laughs> <laughs> she makes me dizzy. Uh, but I love it, you know, because it's classy Britney. So I, yeah. I enjoy actually watching her. I you know I, I wish her the best. I think, you know, she's she's a great person. You know, I think she has a really big heart. Actually, That's more good. Than anything. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I know you got to get going. My last thing, I always just end promoting a charity. Is there a charity that's near and dear to your heart? Yes. Children's Miracle Network, everybody. That is my charity. I've been supporting them for about nine years now. Um, and you can also go to Radical Reds um, Instagram because I paint jackets. To support oh. them. So one of a kind jean and leather jackets crafted by me. Um, we're going to start again here for the holidays, but I'm actually going to be working with celebrities as well to make some jackets to oh. s- help support Children's Miracle Network. So I've been working with the families, the doctors, everything. The more that I've gotten involved with this charity um, and then realizing that, you know, if you're diagnosed with something wrong with a baby and, you know, at, at birth or during the pregnancy, how much they continue to work with those families and their needs as time goes on. And that is really the goal. Every year that they su- support and celebrate their child growing another year, that's amazing. But there are different medical needs, different adjustments. I mean, right now I've got a really great friend. Her name's Landon out there and she's going into her teenage years. So, you know, she's needing a wrap to go into the new car because mm. the family had to get a, a new car. So now mm. they have to fit that van out with the ramp, which is quite expensive. These are the things that we do behind the scenes to continue to help to meet the needs of these families. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. So inspirational, all, the, all that you do. I love the new record too. Uh, great you. job on that. So I'll let you get to your next uh, interview. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, again, there are definitely those surreal moments of doing this show. And this was just one of them. So if I stumbled a bit, it's because I'm distracted. I'm just thinking this is Tiffany. I'm talking to her. It's very weird. Uh, But seriously, her new album is good stuff. Her music has matured, which makes sense. Uh, Check it out and make sure to support our guests and the show with likes, shares and comments on YouTube and social media. And also make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you watch or listen. 
Thank you for your support. Have a great day and shoot for the moon. 